Today on Movie Royal, as we talk about No Hard Feelings, Talk to Me, and Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. That's six movies. <laughs> It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And yes, you as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Greetings. Time for another podcast. Yay. On a Sunday afternoon. Fun, fun thing to do. I kind of look forward to it. Kind not kind of, of. I, do. I do, not kind of, yeah. But I realise why we don't have as good snacks as Yazdi, because we have a lot of stuff on our table. Well, there's no room for snacks on our table. That's a good thing. Well, this used to be. I don't go on a dedicated podcast room until Rashmi took it over with all her works that work from home stuff. Yeah, that's right. A quarter of it, more than a quarter, a half. In fact, yeah. it was not that I'm gonna pick a bone here but this was my work from home space until Rashmi took it over with well I did offer for you to share like we could have like a shared cubicle yeah like that would mean so much work would get done (laughs) plus Rashmi on a teleconference is so quiet (laughs) (laughs) let's just say what are you saying I I, nothing your your voice isn't loud and and disruptive at all all. I'm not. I'm not distracted by your dulcet tones. I think you're distracted by the <laughs> melodious tones of my voice. I'm wishing why you couldn't be talking to me all the time. That's exactly. You read my mind. Yep. Let's move on quickly. Yes, I should pedal myself out of that one quickly. Um, so, uh, goodness, uh, we have three movies to talk about uh, today. Kind of looking forward to talking about all of these. Me too. One, one way or another, they, each one has kind of something that. I've that, been dying to kind of podcast about. Yeah, that'd and, be true. Yes. And it's funny because um, just as a reminder for those who, who uh, may be new to, the, new to the podcast or maybe just don't know, but we never talk about the movies until we podcast. We have to be poker faced, yeah. which can be hard. Um, so, you know, what, what you're getting on Movie Wallace is the real deal, um, uh, you know, to the extent that it's uh, authentic. But anyway, uh, yes. So um, dying to kind of talk to you about uh, all of these movies. But let's get started with our usual segment of I, I can't, can't find, find anything, anything to, watch to watch on, on VOD. VOD. And in this segment, we talk to you about some streaming options on one of the 500,000 services available to all of us now. So It's a mess. I mean, we say this every podcast, but it really is a mess. Yeah. I wasn't going to go there again because oh, I think I okay. do I do grumble about yeah, it every time. Yeah. But there are lots of services to pick from. So, you know, one of the things that we're trying to do as we talk about these recommendations is tell you which service they're on. Um, and I guess we're not too diligent about making sure we all pick a different service. So uh, let, let's see how we do today. Okay, I can go first. So my pick is something that's very near and dear to my heart. It is the documentary called Wham! Exp- Exclamation mark. And it is. Yeah, it's that one. Exactly. (laughs) It is that documentary. And it is a great documentary. Um, 
it basically tells the timeline of Andrew Ridgely and George Michael, the infamous George Michael, who unfortunately passed away about six, seven years ago now, I think. Can't believe it's been that long. Um, but it basically covers the period of 1982 to 1986, which is the period that Wham were famous for. And um, I always say near and dear to my heart because my sister and my cousin were absolute Wham fans and I kind of got dragged along. Um, and all the concerts that are shown in there, I am sure I am in every single one of them in Is every that year right? that they showed them. Yes. Literally, as we were watching this documentary, Rashmi was like, pause. We were in that section over there and we were yeah, trying to make them. We were trying to Unfortunately, see if, the video yeah. was not very crisp from the 80s. It was very 80s, grainy. So, yeah. you know, there were like a couple of blobs that we were like, oh, well, maybe that was you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway. It <laughs> not is that you look like a blob. Thank you. There, there, You're there. having a difficult time today, um, Joe. Yeah, may as well um, like, just back out of this. So, yeah. Anyway, so it is a really fascinating documentary about, you know, these were two friends who were best friends at school and decided they wanted to be in a band and they had you know immediate success it felt like although it wasn't um you know the overnight success that takes 10 years as we always talk about but it's a really well put together documentary it's got some great tunes from the 80s it's got um you know bands from the 80s so if you are a gen xer um as we are then you will have a lot of fun watching this documentary and joe you weren't a worm fan by any by any, um, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, length it, of the imagination. They, but you enjoyed the documentary. They I were think. a part of the '80s British pop culture, and I was there with everyone else. So, <clears throat> you know, did I buy a Wham record? No, but God, are those songs ingrained in my brain? Yeah, I mean, they're part of my youth. So, you know, watching it was was super fun. Yeah, uh, even though I wasn't the the, the biggest fan, and you know, it, it's kind of really interestingly put together because obviously we've lost George Michael so you know the the voiceover is clearly done from some it's either put together from interviews that he did prior to his passing Andrew Ridgely who was the other guy in Wham mm -hmm. he's it's seemingly you know also um, you know he's not on camera at all but he's narrating the story as, as it goes so I did, buy, I did buy many cassettes I'm going to really oh, date really? myself of Wham yeah wow. very popular in India Oh, really? Good. When I was, yeah, when I was growing yeah. up. Very, very popular, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. That's yeah. interesting. Good marketing. Yeah. It was good, wholesome pop. Yeah. Wow. Last Christmas, remember their song? Yeah. So good. So good. It still played, uh, you know. Well, you on, know, it only hit Christmas number time. one in 2021, apparently, or yeah. 2020, I think it hit number one for the first time. It's a Gets re-released every time. It's a good video. Good song. Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. That was mine. Wham! on Netflix. My recommendation is the series Fakes, like fake, like fake money, um, which is on Amazon Prime. And it's an eight part series. Each episode is about an hour long. And it's, it's a completely made in India production, but it's made with very, very high uh, I think craft value, production value. Production I was going to say I watched it, Yazdi. Excellent production values. I'm about halfway through it and I really like how well it is structured. There's nothing sloppy about it. Uh, you know, just, just to give you an idea of what it's about, it's about this guy who almost against his wishes is forced into making counterfeit money and how he gets into it. And the first episode, I think half an hour is on creating the perfect counterfeit 
currency and the movie spends a lot of technical details about it which actually was educational not that i'm ever going to you know counterfeit money but it's so well put together we don't have that much bail money <laughs> fyi that, that would be a good that would be a good incentive unless but, you leave a bag of counterfeit money yeah. in which case I'll, yes. I'll happily uh, yes no i know i have I'm no sure desire that's put to us on some list here now like, <laughs> i have no desire to counterfeit money but um it's really well put together and it's and, and the lead it stars Shahid Kapoor and Shahid Kapoor is a is an Indian actor of much renown and I'm always uh, I'm always in his court he's a brilliant actor everything he's done is wonderful and I'm gl- glad to see him kind of make the leap from movies into high quality television and this certainly is high quality television it's a wonderful cat and mouse game uh it's called farzi is the indian title f a r z i but you can also find it as fakes f a k e s on amazon prime i'm really glad you suggested that yasdi i've only watched the first two episodes and i was blown away yeah. um so i a really good production value and it's a really interesting story um yeah i can't wait to watch watch all of it yeah super I'm going to cheat a little because the movie I've selected isn't available on any of the free kind of monthly subscription streaming services. It's actually a pay-per-view. Uh, you can get it through Amazon Prime or Apple TV or Five one bucks. of, you know, Google, I think has another stream. I think Microsoft even does streaming movies, but it's a it's a rental. It would cost us 5.99 and it's the movie uh, Are You There God? It's Me, Margaret. Um, now you know, this is a movie that's uh, currently or very recently been in cinemas. It came out on streaming uh, just a few days ago prior to report, record, recording this podcast. Uh, we missed this on the big screen, but Yazdi, we know you caught it. And, um, you know, we'd heard some buzz about this movie, maybe from you, but maybe from elsewhere. It was running 99% of the automata, and so we, we rented it. Um, and it's a delightful, I mean, when I say delightful, it's possibly you know one of my favorite movies of the year so far it's a coming of age story about a young girl uh, based on a book Judy Bloom by Judy Bloom or a series of books I'm not Which sure Which is dearly beloved it's a very, dearly very beloved. beloved book from the 70s Yeah yes. I I completely missed that I'd not I'd not come across this at all so um yes I, I we've since spoken to a friend who who you know who wondered how well it translated from the pages of the book and I can't speak to that but what I do what I can say is that the material appears to be very well handled because uh, the movie was so good um it's a coming of age story, uh, you know, very much from the female perspective. It's one of my favourite kind of genres. I know Yazdi, you're a big fan of coming of age as well, but I'm, I'm, I've never really, I can't remember a movie in recent years that has has handled the kind of the female coming of age aspect. Maybe um, the 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 movie we saw, at, um, Diary of a Teenage Girl, which was mm. kind of an angry, cynical. Um, uh, maybe you know something quite difficult kind of coming of age but but this was done with complete sweetness and innocence and and joy and love and uh, i i enjoyed the heck out of this movie it handled a lot of wonderful kind of dilemmas you know two you know two religions within a within a, a single family and um you know girls being girls going through the age where you know some are prepubescent some are postpubescent it's it just it was it popularity was just- moving to a new place what's expected of you yeah i i really liked it i didn't love it as much as you did joe i mean you were pretty gushy once it ended um i was like yeah it's good um i would say the only fault that kind of threw me out of the movie was i don't think it was costumed very well 
It didn't feel very authentic. The production was a bit sure. strange. It was like overdone 60s style or kind of loosey-goosey 70s. It didn't pick, a, it, it pick an Disney era version. and go with it. It was kind of strange costuming and production. That kind of, kind of threw me out. Um, it was a Disney version of its time. Yeah, I mean, but it was good enough. It was good enough. colours. Yeah, it was good enough. And I think the main thing for me was the lead was absolutely adorable and so well cast. And I love Rachel McAdams. And although this is not the full review, I do want to call out the lead, as Rashmi just said. So the, the lead character, Margaret Simon, is played by Abby Ryder Fortson, mm-hmm. who put in a a splendid support, performance, support yeah. performance here. As uh, you know, I don't know how old she is in, in well, two thousand eight. So that puts her at fifteen years of age. She shows remarkable um, breadth of performance in this one. Uh, she's charming on screen, um, and she has some difficult moments to handle. All of which I believed completely. Yes. Did you like it? So, yes, it's one of my favorite films of the year, without a doubt. And um, I missed the screening of the movie. Um, I, I don't remember why I missed the screening of the movie and then the movie came out and it got amazing reviews. And so, because I have the AMC A plus, uh, what it was called, A list, uh, I went one weekend and I saw it and this is what I wrote. I'm just going to read it uh, on my letterbox review, which is that I'm not a 12 year old girl dealing with growing up to the terms of the world. I've never been, but sometimes a simple story well told with specificity can thrum with universality. Hmm. This film honors the Judy Bloom book with genuine heart and wit, and it's blessed with newcomer AB, sorry, Abby Ryder Fortson's instantly believable authenticity in the lead role. And Rachel McAdams and Benny Safdie, yes, that one, he's one of the Safdie brothers, yes. uh, as her parents. The film kicks the casting right out of the park, and imagine a film made with, with all the sensibility of somebody like Corey Eda, who refuses to find bad people in his movies. There are no bad people in this movie as well. And I think a lot of the, lot of the uh, credit goes to the original book by Judy Bloom. And I'm going to say this, since no one else will, Rachel McAdams for Best Supporting Female Actor. Let's make it happen. She's so good, yeah. She was very good in it. She's Every, very good, everyone yeah. Everyone was very good in this movie. Yeah. I don't know, I just bought the whole thing. It really, it pulled me into its world. And it, it uh, you know, I'm going to say it's not for everyone because it, it is a little saccharine, you know, it, it gives you a little, you know, toothache with its sweetness from time to time, but but it's just so well handled. It's very well handled, especially if it's, you know, very beloved property. I think going into that and kind of making a mess out of it would be horrible. But um, I, I, I don't know. I think it just, I mean, I didn't grow up in the 60s. I'm not a girl. I'm not 16 years old, all of that. But still, I was kind of so invested in this character and it just ends at the perfect note and it kind of goes into territory which other films don't. And I yes. think, I mean, I think it would be great for, you know, an early teenage, early teen girl right now to watch this movie and kind of learn a lot from it. Interestingly, you know, looking on Rotten Tomatoes and they're talking about the classification, but one of the keywords here is it's rated PG-13 for sexual education, which... Uh, I, I kind of shouldn't that be man? Yeah, you should. It should. It's an interesting categorization, right? Yeah. And although I wouldn't put it under sex ed, um, I, I, I guess you know there are. I guess they're, they're saying it's PG thirteen because there's a, a scene of sexual education in there. But it, well, it, and I think it's about educating your daughters about yeah daughters what's of that to age happen if, in puberty, and if you haven't had that conversation with a nine or ten year old by the time you take. You know, if you happen to take your nine or ten year old to a movie like this, then be warned. Or if you're going to stream it, 
then be warned that, you know, you might have to have a conversation afterwards. They're already talking about it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we know that, but, you know. Yeah, I would say that to most people, if, if the title sounds cumbersome, if you've never heard of the book, uh, you know, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. You would think, I don't want to have anything to do with this movie. And I would say, believe the reviewers, be, believe everyone. It's a very sweet, well-made movie with really good acting, great intentions. Um yeah, I, I, I do think it's one of the better films of the year. I think that counts as a review. I think that counts as a review as well. I mean, do you want to give it a score? <laughs> a bonus movie? Yes. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Uh, it's a nine out of ten for me. I, I really, I enjoyed this movie. It really connected with it. For me, it's a it's seven. One of my faves of the year. To for seven, me, eight and nine. Yeah, a, a stingy eight for me. It's a, Yeah, it's a high eight. Yeah, I tend to give out my nines a bit more liberally than yesterday. Solid seven. (laughs) All right, so let's recap. Um, Rashmi, your pick was? Wham! Exclamation mark on Netflix. And yesterday you had? Fakes or Farsi on Amazon Prime. And mine was, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Uh, Wherever you can do paid rental streaming downloads, Amazon, Apple, whatever service of your choice. All right. Um... I suppose we should do our movie reviews. Let's begin with the movie No Hard Feelings. Okay, so I have the intro for that. Um, So on the brink of losing her childhood home, Maddie, played by the wonderful Jennifer Lawrence, discovers an intriguing job listing. Wealthy helicopter parents looking for someone to date their introverted 19-year-old son, Percy, before he leaves for college. To her surprise, Maddie soon discovers the awkward Percy is no sure thing. So this is directed by Gene Stupnitsky, and um, it's written by Gene Stupnitsky and John Phillips, and and it stars Jennifer Lawrence, Andrew Barth Feldman, Laura Benanti, um, Natalie Morales, and Matthew Broderick, amongst many others. Um, Yazdi, what did you think of No Hard Feelings? So I'm going to repeat what a lot of reviewers have been saying, which is that um, I've really, really missed the R-rated comedy. We used to make so many of those in the late 80s, early 90s, and I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's the advent of, you know, the PG horror movie, which is kind of taken away. I think studios are just very scared to make R-rated, like hard R-rated comedy because they're scared nobody's going to show up with their family to watch it. Um, But I really miss those, you know, raucous, raunchy, silly, goofy, but ultimately well-meaning kind of sex comedy. And this is one of those. So I welcomed it with open arms. Also, I want to say, we'll talk about this more, but... You know, Jennifer Lawrence has received four Oscar nominations and won one Oscar for Best Actress uh, for playing very, very serious roles. And this movie is proof that we should not underestimate her comedic abilities. Joe. Yeah, I, you know, Jennifer Lawrence carries this movie um, substantially, right? I mean, she's the star power in it. You know, there are uh, other other folks in it, but she really is the the center of this whole movie. It's 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 comedy, it's it's raunch, it's, it's so she, you know, she's a powerhouse actress to kind of, you know, pull this off. This movie really worked for me. I'm, I'm just looking here at the reviews, which I hadn't seen up till now on Rotten Tomatoes, and I can see there's a mixed bag of things. It's rated a lot lower than I would have expected. But yeah, this movie worked for me. It was it was it was very, very enjoyable. It was a very funny comedy. Yeah, kind of raunchy. I mean Jennifer Lawrence 
performance is very brave, uh, often naked performances in in this movie. But it, it, it worked, you know. I mean, the premise is kind of silly. I didn't really buy any of its setup, but a lot of comedies are like that. You know, Superbad is a night gone wrong, right? You know, that I didn't buy any of the, the reality there, but it worked for me. It was It was funny. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a really fun time at the movie. And I, too, like you, Joe, was very shocked when I started hearing the early reviews coming out and people saying, oh, you know, it falls flat on its face and it's not raunchy enough or um, it's not funny enough. I think it was raunchy and funny. And I think it's got a really sweet heart. And I think that's what people are, well, the critics are complaining about that. How can you have this raunchy movie and then it have this really sweet heart? To me, that's a perfect movie, to be honest. Um it's completely implausible, but it's so fun. And I think it's because Jennifer Lawrence is acting her heart out. And she's really trying to pull you in. She's working so hard. And the lead, um, what's his name? Barth. Uh, Barth. Andrew Barth Yeah, Feldman. Andrew Barth Feldman can really hold his own against her. And he's so charming and just you're just rooting for him the entire way. And then I loved Laura Benanti and Matthew Broderick as the parents. They are phenomenally funny as well. I think it's, it's what struck me about this movie is it plays with status so well. You never know who's in charge and who's calling the shots. And I love that changing status and I haven't seen it done as well in any other movie recently. So I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I really like that, you know, not that it's a fair comparison, but in our last podcast, we reviewed Joyride, which is also a very, very kind of raucous, raunchy kind of movie. And that movie also in its last act makes a turn for something more serious and wants to be more heartfelt. It didn't work for me in Joyride. It just felt like, oh, now we are supposed to feel sorry for this person. And now suddenly it didn't work. It worked. I love Joyride. Don't get me wrong. But in this movie... Again, in the, in the last act, it makes a turn for being very reasonably serious and sweet. And it completely, completely lands on its feet while doing that. I really believe that. I believed its authenticity. And even though it's that Disney moment where sure enough, people realize their faults and blah, blah, blah. I was with it. So, I, you know, I think that takes that takes some effort. I also like that, you know, Jennifer Lawrence is one of the executive producers on the movie and she's working very hard here. But she's fully committed to this role, physically in every way. There's a lot of scenes where she's without makeup. And I'm like, oh, this is how Jennifer Lawrence looks without makeup. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's 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 brave of her in every way. But also her t- her comic timing is really good in this movie. She does physical comedy. She's, you know, and her relationship with this kid should not work, right? It's it's completely a gimmick. It's it's a structure of the script. But these two actors really make it work. And yeah. and the two parents, the kooky parents, Laura Benanti has been doing a, a lot brilliant. of New York theater. She's like a stealth actress. She does, she still does, I think, on The Tonight Show uh, with, uh, uh, sorry, on, <laughs> on The Tonight Show with Jon Stewart, she often does a piece where she 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 pretends to be Melania Trump and she's hilarious. Oh, right. <laughs> oh I would love to see if that. If nobody has seen that, go look it up on YouTube. And she's hilarious as that. But uh, and then Natalie Morales, who plays her best friend. Yeah. You know she has been in so many great movies. She's a great writer. 
um, herself. And she was in that wonderful um, COVID comedy. Exactly. Um, oh, the with, one with the Duplass brothers. The Duplass yeah. Brothers. Gosh. So um, it's, it's Language Lessons. Language Lessons. Catch she, that movie if you haven't seen it. Language Lessons. She wrote and directed it. Uh, this Natalie Morales did. So it's really a coming together of, of, of you know, very talented group of people. Um, there should be more movies like this. There really should be. It's it's sweet and funny. and The jokes know. really worked for me. And I think, you know, I, I, I barely laughed on, on multiple occasions. It's like, a good script, yeah. Yeah, it, it was genuinely funny. And yeah, you know, I mean, again looking at some of the comments here i mean you know forgettable romp doesn't work you know, i'm mean, like i don't i don't identify with that at all i mean yeah. you know i was completely hooked by this movie despite its presence and you're right it's all the small things you know the helicopter parents and their no perfect dialogue because their their intentions are so noble uh, their execution is um, ham-fisted and it 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 does it it does that really well the chemistry between uh, like uh, Andrew Barth Feldman and, and Jennifer Lawrence. Um, yeah, he's the straight man to Jennifer Lawrence is funny man, but he plays that nerd very believably. He's physically yeah. carries the nerd with him. And I think that's performance, not necessarily who he is that, that, that he, he, he shows up with that. Um, so yeah. This, yeah. This, this I just had a dark thought when I was in there though, which was, and Joe, you always do this really well, which is, if you reverse the roles, then this movie would be so horrific, right? If you had an older man who parents employed to, you know, help their young daughter get ready for college or yeah. the world, this would be a very horrific story. It works because it's Jennifer well, Lawrence and this nerdy it, it kid. Works because right? It's a, kind of a, a Mrs. No, no, Robinson but, type But there's a difference between genders that... We have to kind of acknowledge yeah. here, yes. yeah. and uh, culturally, we're not at a place of, um, and I don't think we need to be, right? This like soapbox moment, but I mean, I think there is a difference between the genders in terms of of uh, what what's appropriate for what's male acceptable. and female, yeah. And you know, that's where we are societally. Uh, there, therein lies the comedy. Yeah. Um, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can't. Uh, you know, the, the gender reversal question I always kind of pose to be provocative because you know the the, the most romantic movies can be turned into something quite horrific if you correct <laughs> if you play around with that. Premise. Yeah. I mean, I I think you know historically literature has been all about older men and younger women, right? Lolita, right. Beauty you know, and the Beast, Beauty and the Beast, Lolita, <laughs> all of them. So I think we have reached a place right now as a society where we recognise that that's that's troublesome. Um, and then if somebody flips it around where, you know, it's the female who's older and, and the guy who's younger, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying it's appropriate in either situation. Agree. And the movie just kind of keeps <laughs> bypassing a lot of kind of moral yes. dilemmas. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I hope that's, you know, yeah. they don't go there. Yeah. And they just, just turn the corner every yeah. which way. Yeah. Um, there's a piece, uh, and I, I'm, I'm going to wrap up, but there is, there's a piece in the movie where, um, she tells him once that she likes the song Maneater. Yes. And then later in the movie, the kid plays a piano version yes, of that. Yes, it's great. And that just, that's when it clinched it for me. I'm like, okay, they know what they're doing. Yeah. This really worked for me. I was like, I had almost like tears in my eyes. Uh, I was same. Like, and I was like, okay, these people know what they're doing. So I, I give this a... I give this an eight out of 10. Well done. Well done, everybody involved. Well done, Laura Bernanti. Well done, Andrew Barth Fieldman. And certainly well done, Jennifer Lawrence. People need to go watch this movie so studios make more of these. Yeah. Joe. 
Yeah, an eight out of ten uh, for me as well here. I mean, I think there was something unexpected about this. I saw um, in in terms of just how how bold it was in its comedy. Um, I did see, you know, a, a, a YouTube clip variety popped up with, you know, Jennifer Lawrence saying that, you know, this script led her to come out of her kind of pseudo retirement. I think she's taken time away from the, the big screen and uh, the script kind of found its way to her inbox and she read it and, and she said she couldn't stop laughing throughout the whole thing. And I, and I think she, she brought that, that, that comedy to her. I mean, her character could be so irritating um, in terms of the, you know, the early presentation of her. Um, and yet, you know, I found myself laughing along with the movie. So, yeah, eight out of ten. I really enjoyed it. And it's a solid seven from me. Yeah. Okay. No hard feelings here. <laughs> movie number two, then, is Talk To Me. So I'll introduce that one. So Talk To Me is the latest horror film which is being distributed for A24. And if it's A24, you should follow and go watch it. Um, or at least that's that's the edict I follow. Uh, this movie is from a first-time director who's based in Australia. And this movie, I think, originally opened at the uh, Adelaide Film Festival. Um, and it's directed by very young brothers, Danny Filippou and Michael Filippou. So I don't know. If you just wanted to say Filippou again. I to say Filippou. <laughs> yeah. it's, the, it's the Filippou brothers. Uh, but um, this is the uh, one sentence summary, and I think it's a very good summary. So kudos to whoever wrote it for IMDb, which is that when a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. Um, it's written by Bill Hintzman, Daly Pearson, and Danny Filippou, and stars Sophie Wilde, Joe Bird, uh, Alexander Jansen. Uh, 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 you know, these are all individuals. Obviously, they're, they're from Australia. Uh, I'm not familiar with. Uh, Miranda Otto is uh, definitely, she plays the mother. Uh, is somebody, you know, she was on Lord of the Rings and many other movies, I think is the only... Uh, well-known uh, actor, at least uh, stateside. So what did you guys think of Talk To Me, Joe? Goodness. Um, so interestingly, you know, this movie doesn't come out until the end of July and we were given fairly early access with no embargo, right? Because um, A24 is distributing this and I think because of all the reasons you mentioned, you know, small, uh, unknown directors and not, not a huge cast, um, getting the word out about this film is something that they, they really want to do. They're very confident about it. And here's what I'll say. I mean, this is brilliant. It really worked well for me. It was a terrific horror film. You know, its premise is very simple. It's a Ouija board, right? I mean, this hand is just a different version of a Ouija board. It's, you know, talking to spirits of past. But it's the execution of this movie that really... Um, works well for me. We talked about the blackening recently, you know, and, and, you know, that had the kind of horror comedy aspect to it. There was some social commentary there. This doesn't have anything as sophisticated as that, but it does have the horror com comedy element to it. Um, mostly horror, very, very heavy on the horror, um, but it works terrifically well from the moment that this, this, uh, this gimmick plays out on screen. I was instantly frozen in my seat. Like, there is a moment in this movie where, uh, you know, the beginning, there, there's a kind of a prologue, but it's it's the first time that the, the kids kind of encounter this, this 
gimp again i don't want to talk too much about it, but that when they when they enter this world of 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 what they've uncovered unleashed here um it just worked really well for me the beats were probably a little too obvious but it scared me it made me laugh um yeah i had a riot with this agree my laughter was out of nervousness i think um it's not often that the three of us engage in horror movies because we frankly don't love them especially Yazdi and I but it is always fun to go see a horror with a crowd right if you're going to watch it watch it with a crowd um I think um everything you said Joe but in addition I think what this did really well for me was it really captured the lengths that someone will go to when they have tremendous or they're experiencing tremendous grief and 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 the the grief is the driving force behind what this this central character does um and i love that twist um that this spirit or whatever they've unleashed is so malevolent that it plays on your grief and that is the doorway in a sense um so that was kind of interesting to me um i didn't love the main character i didn't love the main actress she kind of annoyed me a little bit um i found her annoying to watch but um Overall, I think this is a really, again, solid, scary movie. It's very efficient. I always feel like I'm in good hands when A24 has produced something or sponsored something. Um, yeah, this is, if you can watch this on the big screen when it comes out, go watch this with a crowd. It's it's fun. It's a fun time. And that opening sequence was kind of took my breath away. I kind of jumped in my seat within the first three minutes. Yes, D. Yeah, Talk I think, to us. I think we're going to be saying Philippou a lot uh, because I think these two uh, directors, uh, very young directors out of Australia, really know what they're doing. I have lots of problems with the movies, with, <laughs> with, with this movie, but I cannot deny that it's incredibly effective. Uh, that we've, we've all, I, I was going to bring it up, but we've all talked about the opening. It looks like a single shot. Yes, I don't know if it was. Yes. Uh, and it's pretty long. It's about this guy entering a party looking for someone and it ends just, I won't say anything, but it's really well put together. But the sound design on this movie. Yes. And, you know, the way the camera is handled, it's so tight. There are long, long, long shots. Uh, it, it really is very effective in summoning the sense of dread and fear and anxiety. So, you know, I was with the movie the whole time. I it was maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't be saying this, but it was not that scary that it made me lose sleep at all. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was I was very it, it held my hand and walked me through the whole story. No very pun well. intended. And never. Yeah. And no. Yeah. <laughs> and I was never pulled out of the movie. Right. And I, ne I never felt like, you know, uh, I never felt like I was watching a movie. Having said that, I think the movie's biggest problem is that. And this is the problem of all horror movies, that it's about stupid people doing stupid things. And, you know, I sound like an old person, but I was like, if you are doing these stupid things, then every misery that befalls you, you deserve it. I, at, at some point, I'm like, I know teenagers are stupid. I know they want to kick. I know they want to high. But if you're going that deep down that rabbit hole... You're not going to come back from it. So, and and they very a lot of them intentionally go down that rabbit hole. So I was like, 
I'm looking at my notes and there are five times I wrote stupid people doing stupid things. <laughs> I was like, But stop doing this. Why are you doing this? Because it's narratively fun. And I agree with you that that kind of stupid people doing stupid things is is often laughed about. You know, there's a Geico ad actually right at, right now that's like horror movies. But, but people, you know, they're like, there's the guy with the pitchfork. Let's walk towards him kind of thing. Yes, people do go into the cellar in... Um, And that's why these movies have to be, have to star teenagers, right? Because, you know, I mean, just, just recently I had a horrible story about a teenager who, who um, ate a slug on a dare and it, you know, ended up being like brain dead. Teenagers do stupid things. Another one who jumped off a cruise ship, you know. So teenagers do do stupid things. And, and that's, that's why these movies have to be set in a high school kind of place. Because yeah. the peer pressure element, I think, was what kind of brought me into the you know why would anyone do this like i would have run a mile as a kid but you know people get pressured into taking drugs as kids well, right and also you know? i think you know horror movies of the past have always preyed on that kind of pubescent prepubescent age group as you know as you're growing yeah. you know you can capture spirits you know there's always those kind of Right. That that kind of But, yeah, yeah. play, I think, which is good. Look, I, I think it's really, I love that it's an Australian movie as well. I love that it's all set in Australia. I love that it's all unknown people. It feels very real in terms of the way that it's filmed. It doesn't look high gloss. It looks very real in the way that it's done. And I love that it kind of teeters even on this idea of psychosis, You know, is it is it psychosis? Is it real? Mm. Um, it, it just it does what it does really well. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I'm, I can sum this one up. I absolutely enjoyed this movie. And again, I would recommend this to anyone who who enjoys movies because it's kind of a fun time at the movies. Um, and like you said, Yazdi, it's not going to follow you home. Um, solid eight out of ten for me. Yeah, eight out of ten for me as well. And I think, not to get too philosophical about it, but. At the end of the day, a movie is something which is trying to convince people seated in a room that what you're seeing is real. And the more outlandish usually the plot of a movie, the greater the bar for the filmmaker to convince you, mm -hmm. right? And the basic premise of this movie is that you grab this embalmed hand, it's somebody found this hand, um, and suddenly you can contact spirits. The way it is executed from the very first time and every subsequent time in the movie, I genuinely believed it. And that, yes. that, I think, is the true achievement of this movie because, you know, it's how it's edited and how the sound plays and how the clip of what they're seeing comes in front of you. I genuinely believe that these people were seeing what they were when they were grabbing this inanimate object. So I think that's why I think these filmmakers are very, very, very talented in terms of just being able to literally conjure up technically, you know, a, a very high level of performance. All my problems with the movie, I said, is with the, with the yeah. plot. And, I, you know, you said that you found that lead uh, Mia character yeah, kind of annoying. Yeah, I found her very annoying. I, I found her worse than annoying. I found her very irresponsible because it's one thing if she and her friends do yes. something. But she pulls somebody else's young brother, yes. who is clearly underage, mm -hmm. into this. And she never says sorry or anything. Horrible things happen to that kid because she encourages him. I found that morally But very, very upsetting. I'm like, you have no right to take somebody else's kid and pull this into it. But, but, but therein lies some of the care in the writing because her motivations for doing so are understood, 
right? Yeah, but but uh, not it, with somebody. I know you. I know right? she wants she yeah. wants to connect she, with her dead yeah. mom. But you shouldn't use your kid's brother I, as a pawn in that. But imagine your that was brother. your only option, right, to I open that do door. I uh, no, I know. Um, and <laughs> you wouldn't we do it. We should not find but out. But you're not a stupid person in a horror movie. You wouldn't go down into the cellar in a horror movie, right? So John I'm not, would. I'm not, hell no. What are you talking about? But, I'm not going down into the cellar. So there's nothing <laughs> that could help me understand a character's motivations other than I think this movie did give us that right she wasn't doing it arbitrarily she wasn't just walking down she was like, desperate in english like the, movie, yeah. the movie barbarian that came out last year i mean that that has some ridiculous behaviors in it you know when you when you see a, a, a door in a wall in a cellar in an airbnb that you've never been into and it has a string on it and you pull on the string and then you see a dark tunnel that goes down into infinity and you walk down the tunnel like you need to die like yeah. that that's just stupidity you know that that that's a kind of irritating stupidity in horror movies or drag me to hell something you know the, yeah, the sam raimi version but but i think the very fact that we are discussing the moral motivation <laughs> of a character in yes. a silly little horror movie speaks to how well it's written so as much as i'm kind of deeply deeply <laughs> angered with this character and i think you know she should take more responsibility for what happened at the, we are talking about this, which is great. So, yes. yeah, I, you know, eight out of ten, just how effective it is. And I think, yeah, sure, you can watch it on your, you know, on your television screen down the road. But I think just to get that that crisp sound and, you yes. know, the beats and the thumping and all of that, I think you should probably watch it on the big screen. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a counterpoint to that, this will work on a small screen because I think it's very effectively directed. And yes, you pinpointed the editing. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely all in the edit. The timing uh, and the sound design, the, the, two, the combination of the two things are just, they're masterfully done. It's, it's, it's really, really good. I love the ending. The whole, you know, again, it, the, it, it makes us talk, right? We want to debate these characters. Uh, you know, that's quite a thing to do in a B-movie horror, right? Yeah. And, and this is this is low budget. If it, yeah. You know, you can, you can I, I've it. got, I'm going to predict this one's going to be with us for a while. I think this is going to be a slow, you know, a slow burn. And I think it's going to get good. People are going to like this. Yeah, this is very film festival type material. This is kind of one of those little gems that you kind of come out of a film festival and think, whoa, you know, why, why don't people see this? So, you know, please go see this. It's, Did you score it, Joe? Uh, I'm, I didn't. I'm going to give it an eight. And I just want to call out one thing. Miranda Otto is note perfect in this as the kind of the mom that's one step ahead of the kids like it, it's a delightful role but the way that she delivers her very few lines of dialogue absolutely were, were memorable moments that character is seared on my brain um as, as just some someone that's just wonderfully executed here so she's she plays the mother uh, of, of um a couple of the kids in the in in the movie but she's she's just so note perfect yeah, I mean, I, I thought many times, like, why do the why do when horrible things start happening? Why don't the adults ask the kids what the hell's going on? Why is this happening? Nobody seems to, but and no know, one's got their passwords to their phones where they could actually see what's happening either. So. Correct. Yeah, exactly. Nobody Teenagers seems, are nobody slippery, seems, but yep. at the same, but the Miranda Otto, the the way that character is written. You can almost understand that she recognizes that it's just kids doing stupid stuff. Yeah. But at, at what cost? I mean, at horrible cost. So anyway, it's no, a I mean, movie. Look, I, I have a feeling it's going to be a big commercial success. I do too. Yeah. Go on, Joe. Oh, I was going to say, teenagers are slippery characters. None of us here have raised children, but I was once a teenager and 
there were a lot of shenanigans that I got up to that um, to this day I hope my parents never find out about. So, um, <laughs> mum, you're not listening, I hope. <laughs> I don't think she listens to us. <laughs> no, she doesn't, fortunately. All right. We've got there, finally. Last movie of our podcast. Which has a really long title. So many syllables in this. Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Okay, so I was going to give you like the long uh, introduction, but I'm just going to say this. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team must track down a dangerous weapon before it falls into the wrong hands. That's all I want to say. This is a repairing of the wonderful Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise again. Christopher McQuarrie at the directing helm and writing helm and obviously Tom Cruise acting, producing and such like. This has um, a great cast and crew. This has Tom Cruise, Hayley Atwell, Ving Rames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, and a whole bunch of others. This is a long movie. This is running at two hours and 43 minutes, and it is in the cinemas right now. About yeah. to hit the cinemas by the time this podcast comes yeah. out. So, Joe, what did you think of Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1? As with a lot of these big franchise movies, there's like a thread that connects the movies and all of the dots. And I'm sure that there are people out there that know this material far better than me, but I'm not one of them. So I have to kind of review it as a standalone movie in in the franchise. As you should. Um, with that said, you know, the plot is kind of, you know, it's gobbledygook to, to some extent, but, you know, We've all been talking about chat GPT for the last six months, right? So this notion that we have like an AI supervillain super is was really fun for me and it's somewhat timely. So, um, yeah, look, you, you can't over-scrutinize this movie, right? But what I can say is I can't believe that it was two hours and 43 minutes long because I felt like I was in the movie theater for about 15 minutes. This passed by so quickly it was so much fun it was so well executed it had kind of a breathless pace to it it never let up it never kind of gave us that moment to kind of calm down and catch our breath it was sequence to sequence to sequence to sequence all of which were very well executed and very well entertaining uh, including the final sequence on a train which again if you stop for a second and say <laughs> really uh, it falls apart but in the moment, it's just done so well. It's fun. This was a good, fun movie. Um, not not high art in terms of, you know, writing, execution, novelty, but high art in terms of, you know, just like John Wick earlier this year, it does what it set out to do extraordinarily well. Yes, D. I'm going to contest and say it is high art. I, I uh, <laughs> And you almost considered watching it twice. I almost considered watching it twice. I... <laughs> I, I like the movie so much that when I came out, I was like, "Was I high, or was I just yeah. having? Was I just having a good day? Like, no, did it's... I did I have like a really good meal? Why? why <laughs> like, I, I'm I'm usually cynical. Why do I like this? I actually, you know, texted uh, somebody else who was there, and I'm like, "Am I am I high? Is the or is this a really really good film?" And they said, "No, no, no. It's a really really good film." And I I. This is the seventh movie, okay? We, you know, we, we, we are going through, you know, the Fast X movies and the James Bond movies and then the Mission Impassable movies the and the Jason Jones. Bournes. And endless Marvels. Indiana and Endless Marvels and Star Wars and Star Trek. John Tricks Wicks. And, and John Wicks and so many. And I think this movie is in, the, in its seventh running. And the fact that it has so much 
you know, strength in its fist at this stage is quite remarkable. Tom Cruise obviously has uh, produced all of these movies from the very beginning. And he was initially doing this thing where every new installment, he went to one great director after the other. You know, it started with Brian De Palma, then he did uh, John Woo, he did a whole bunch of directors. And then with the fifth one, he came to Christopher McQuarrie, yep. and then he's just settled down with him, with Rogue Nation, and then it was followed by Fallout, and then now Dead Reckoning Parts 1 and 2, and I think he's wise to do that, um, because it feels like it feels like one of those... Um, it feels like one of those puzzle pieces which is made of wood and it's polished and everything turns and clicks right. Of course, the plot is preposterous. Of course, when you think about it, even that last scene you're talking about, it, it defies physics, it defies all of that. But there is scene after scene which I would gladly pay money just to watch that 20 minutes. There's a great scene shot in an airport. Which airport was it? I don't know. Was it uh, Heathrow? Abu Dhabi, I Abu Dhabi, think. Abu Dhabi, yeah. I would just watch, I would pay 15 bucks just to watch that 20 minute scene at the, at the airport. It's so smart and it's done with so much energy. There is no fatigue. There is no sloppiness. Uh, I really like this movie. Uh, <laughs> I really like this movie. I love this movie. Oh, wow. I okay. love this movie. This is what I wrote down. It's fantastic. It thrillivers. <laughs> it's plate spinning like I've never seen plates spun before. Do I understand what happened? Heck no. But does it matter? Heck no. It's so much fun. It's so um, exciting to preempt how they're going to get out of the next situation. And the walls close in and they manage to get themselves out of it. And it's bigger and better and brighter and more and more and more. But it doesn't disappoint. The first time I looked at my watch, we'd been sitting in our seats for two hours. That's how engaging it was. Um, I think it's like four-dimensional chess. Um, I, I think um, there's actually a line in the movie that says, this is like four-dimensional chess, chess against um, a, a, an algorithm. Um, some some sort of line like that. And that's this movie. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I love this movie. I cannot believe Tom Cruise is still doing this. And he does all his own stunts. And I've been listening to a great interview, listen to a great interview with Simon Pegg. I've been watching some stuff with Tom Cruise. I mean, it's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, it's a really good he movie. Never it's phone, so entertaining. He never phones it in. He never phones I mean, say what you will about his personal life, and a lot has been said, but especially in these movies, I mean, he is there this like is 200%. Sweet spot. And, you know, it's it, it's become almost a parody, right? It, Mission it's Impossible has become a meme, a parody of itself, but he just delivers it with even more gusto, right? I mean, you know, in, in, in one of the last movies, you know, he's he's... He's clamoring over the side of a plane as it's taking off. Then he's, you know, scaling the walls of the uh, Burj Khalifa. Mm -hmm. And in this one, he's taking off on that motor, you know, on that motorbike, you know. Off in, a cliff. In, off a cliff. 
And then there's three scenes, you know, of him just running all right angles. There's a lot of running. There's a lot of running. There's a lot of running in this movie. And I'm sorry, I want I want to see that in the next one. I want to see Tom Cruise running all right angles. He's again. just running. <laughs> He's just running. There's a lot of. I wrote that down. There's a lot, a lot of, running of running in this movie. And I, I I enjoy it. It's like it's like the one dependable in life. And then there's so many scenes where people rip off their masks. I love like, it. So, it's so Scooby Doo. Well, instead of running away from it, they're embracing it and saying, Absolutely. "This is what we." are and damn it you're gonna like it and we like right. it and and I, I think look this this type of movie feels like we're, we're all too cynical to kind of believe this stuff anymore but it just goes to show that you know you can have all of this bombast and it be delivered to us in a way that we will we will feed on it right Oftentimes, like the Fast X movies, like you know, they've jumped the shark. They do this kind of thing, but because they haven't earned the right in terms of uh, you know the the slickness of the plot, the way that, like you say, yes, the you know the way the puzzle pieces fit together, right? The way that everything kind of clicks in terms of the plot, they're not as accomplished in kind of selling it to us. And in this movie, all of this kind of nonsense badassery. There's a lot um, of that. Yeah. Yeah, but it but it works. I mean, you know, again, the 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 the, the scene that just made me giggle was like the scene on the train it felt so Bollywood with like you know this like larger yes. like action I wrote that they did this like 15 years ago in the Bollywood movie they yes. where they're fighting on top it. of a plane I love yeah. it on yeah. top of a train on yeah. a train yeah but and they just did it in Indiana Jones they did and uh, but you know again the the way that that scene ends with like you know again I don't want to spoil the movie for anyone so I'll try and be careful here but you know there, there is a scene of complete you know gravity defying disaster that that just keeps hitting us with like moment after moment after moment. Every single one, I'm like, my butt is clenched. My fingers are like gripping my seat. I'm like, you please make it. And I'm like, I can't, of course they're going to make it. This is Tom Cruise in an action movie. He is not at risk of death at all. But I believe every single moment of that, that kind of sequence. And I'm, I'm marveling at just how, how, uh, inventive it is at kind of upping the ante just when there's, you know, more, you know, the peril keeps getting higher and higher and higher. And just when you think they're out of it, they're back into it. It's, it's delightful writing. Yeah, I mean, that Jurassic Park, I think the first movie had the scene where there's this uh, truck which kind of hangs off the cliff and yes. you have to do something. Well, this movie is that race to five dimensions, right? So yes. I also liked, you mentioned it very early on, John. I also liked uh, Joe, I don't know why I said John. Uh, John, <laughs> John Wick. <laughs> John Wick. <laughs> you can call me Joe Wick, it's okay. Oh, well, I, <laughs> I like that. The script of this movie is very, very timely because, you know, there is a, you know, we've had this boom in artificial intelligence, yeah. chat, GPD, and this, this was probably written, the script was written nine oh months God, ago, absolutely. right? Way before then. Yeah. And it's so timely because the bad guy in this movie is this AI, they call it the entity, literally. Um, and it, this is why I think uh, Mission Impossible is doing better than James Bond, maybe even doing a little bit better than Jason Bourne even, because they are using this so smartly, because yes. if if you can get your hand, hands on AI, if you can get your hands on electronic surveillance, and if you can change electronic surveillance, like what, what, what you know, the authorities are seeing, if you can physically change the face there, 
then there is no longer any surveillance. And it really preys on that and that, that scene in the, the airport. Ghosting. It, it's so beautifully done. So it's Perfect. really a step ahead of everybody else. It always has been. And I think that's, you hit the nail on the head, Yazdi. Somehow it doesn't feel as believable if you have a Jason Bourne or a James Bond because they're, so, they're taking themselves so seriously. The reason this works is that they're having so much fun. There's There's as much, not as much, there's enough comedy in here that it's lighthearted, but it's also good at what it's doing. Like it's really delivering on the spy, you know, uh, black ops type dilemmas, you know. So, it, so it's, it's delivering on both. And I think that's why we enjoy them so much more because we, we let it slide. We understand that this is a made up universe. It's so preposterous, but we let it slide because we're having so much fun with it. We can't let that slide in a James Bond movie because they've always told us that James Bond is real. Jason Bourne is real. So I feel like they've really got the edge. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the technology thing is beautifully subverted here because you know, most spy movies, right, technology is, is their friend, right? You know, they get a fuzzy photo, they go zoom, enhance, zoom, enhance, zoom, enhance. If you've ever tried to do that with a real photograph, you know, you like you yeah. see a picture of a crowd and you zoom into it, there's like blobs everywhere. We were talking about Rashmi in the, the Wham in the Wham movie earlier. Yeah. Like, I wish I could go zoom, enhance, zoom, enhance. And, like, well, there you are. You know, yeah. there's, there's like 15-year-old Rashmi at a Wham yeah. concert. That technology is impossible, yeah. right? Um, here they've kind of subverted it by making this thing, you know, the entity where it can it takes the digital nature of all of the technology and makes that the deception and and the wonderful thing about the mission impossible movies is you know the, the mask reveals right um they always That's play so with, good. but, but so now good. but now every, everything that comes to you in terms of information is a mask reveal right you, the 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 way that the the the, the, the AI is one step ahead of what a human can do and can, you know, you, by using kind of pattern matching can determine the future. It's wonderful how like one step ahead of it is, it is. now that they've written themselves into that corner. Yeah, it'll be interesting to I see. I will be really interested to see how they clever themselves out of yeah. it because what they've created is an entity that's all knowing. We've talked about, we haven't talked about, but we know that Right now, it's possible to create uh, an an AI chess game which cannot be defeated by a human. Right? Well, that, that, that's, what was the other one? That, have, AlphaGo. AlphaGo. Yeah. But humans have been left behind. You, you, the, the grandmasters cannot beat these algorithms right now. So this is what they've set us up for in part yeah. two. I, I, I do wait. have one fault. I have one uh, uh, one contention. I have one, I have one fault. Okay, yes. so my one, my one contention is that there's a character called Paris, um, which is this blonde sidekick, like a henchman. Um, oh yeah, she's Pom. Pom Pom Clementios. She was. She's. She's in all the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yeah, she is. But you know what? It, it, I've kind of felt like she was a little bit. Um, Harlequin and oh, a little yes. bit, and a little bit Gogo Yabari from Kill Bill. Um, I just, yeah. I was a little bit irritated by that. That's that's my only, my only contention with movies. We didn't need, you know, a kind of schoolgirl kilt wearing blonde, sword yielding, tattoo on face henchman. <laughs> but okay, <laughs> she was badass. She was very badass. Going the yes, no, away. No, my, my my only. My only pick on the movie is that 
it seems in the scheme of things that the worst thing anybody can do is get romantically involved with Ethan Hunt. Because <laughs> yeah. any, any, any female across the series, bad things happen to you if you're romantically involved with Ethan Hunt. And this movie certainly bears that well, out. Well, I think so that's like, kind of real with Tom Cruise as well. I think yeah. I was like, <laughs> life, yeah, yeah. art imitating life yeah. of sorts. Yeah. But, but uh, anyway, yes. And it, it, it is interesting just how good looking all of these spies are. Like, you know, the oh, male and the females are like everyone in this movie looks like ridiculously good I'm like really you're like a well Simon a, a Pegg not so much but you know he's got a chance he's lost he's weight. charming he's like, yeah, 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 he's, yeah. He's, 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 he's really um He's he's seen a treadmill since the last movie. That's what I'll say. Here's the other thing. I do love, I do love, and then I'll shut up. I do love that we know in the title that this is film one of two. Um, Unlike Spider-Man, you know, across the the universe, which, uh, across the Spider-Verse, which is like, (gasps) what? That's part one? But even though it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger, it's still a satisfying, well-contained movie. If they didn't make a second one, it would be fine. We know that there's a story here. Yeah. That continues, but I, I love that we weren't left on this moment of like, <gasps> stop, why did you stop there? Like, yeah. that, that's irritating if you're going to release movies a year apart. Like, give us a self-contained story. Don't leave us hanging. That's just, that, that can be irritating. Yeah. And they didn't. And I think that's one of the reasons the movie was, was so effective here. I mean, you know. Yeah. And it's funny because I turned on the TV today and they're showing Mission Impossible 1, 2, and 3 in sequence. And then there's some chat with the producers of the making of Dead Reckoning. Um, and I did notice how much um, Tom Cruise has aged. He, but my God, he looks good. He looks great. He's in his 60s now. The he's guy in his looks, 60s. Yeah, I mean, he's physically amazing. He's but his oh face God. shows, I mean, he doesn't look as like 60s. As it should. Maybe he looks like he's 40, but, but you know, it's, it's, in, it's <laughs> he incredible. He looks as long as you, young as you both. No, he looks younger. He looks yeah, younger. He yeah. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> no. Yeah. Okay, shall we um, wrap this one up? Joe, yeah. why don't you go first? Uh, Tomatometer here is running 99%. Yeah. Uh, and that's just the critics because the audiences haven't got to access Haven't even got yet. to see so, it yet. Yeah. Um, you know, it's up there for me. I mean, I don't know why I wouldn't give this a nine. Um, give it a nine. Yeah, right. I gave no hard feet. Now, which one, which one did I give? Margaret, I gave a nine already. Yeah. So, yeah, this is, this is fabulous entertainment. I mean, you, you can't, you know, like I say, don't, don't, inspect this movie and hold and and hold it up to kind of close scrutiny because it will annoy you right there are some big there's some big problems with the plot if you kind of you know pull it apart why did they do this why did they do that you know don't just be there be entertained it's marvelous fun yeah why not nine out of ten look forward to part two yazdi yeah i think this is the summer blockbuster movie of 2023 i mean sure we have all watched John Wick 4, which is a damn fine movie. We've all watched Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, which is frankly a marvel. Uh, but I think this one almost, this one, you know, matches up to it just in terms of adrenaline and entertainment value. So eight and a half out of ten, which I don't know, maybe I should bump it up tonight. Go I don't on, know. do it. I don't know. It's 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 a really good movie, and I think it's yeah nine out of ten. And I watched it at the AMC cinemas, yes, which had seats which kind of vibrated, and I was wondering, is that why I like the movie so much? <laughs> but you guys didn't watch it in vibrating seats. No, right? but we had comfortable seats at the IMAX. Okay, yeah, and it was oh yeah, good point. See this yeah, loud, yeah, see like don't, yes. don't cheap out. On yes, this. like J- yes, jo- just ears, as the 
Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, just as the film was about to start, Joe was like, okay, pr- be prepared for your ears to bleed. But it wasn't that bad. It was ab- so absolutely that bad. I mean, my ears were were ringing as we came out. But it was it was all in the name of of entertainment. And it, it, you know, to to be in a big movie like this, to see it on a big, bright, yes, loud, do it theater. I mean, it's part of the experience. It's like a roller coaster. You can't watch a roller coaster on YouTube. Like it's just stupid. It's or not the AI. same thing, right? You have to be or physically there or VR, whatever it VR, is. You can't. Yeah, AI, yeah, yeah. yeah. Rashmi, um, Yes, I. my reckoning is that you will love this movie. This is thrilltastically brilliant. Nine out of ten. Wow. I almost gave this a ten because it's brilliant. It's a really entertaining piece of art. It is. It is. I mean, it's hard to do men, men. this. No, I'm going to make it a nine, though. Nine out of ten. Some of the production staff here were involved in last year's Top Gun. Yes, um, I saw. Yeah, and so you know, the, these guys know how to make an action movie. And in a time when when we are so fatigued by some of this stuff, yeah, that, that they can deliver this. You know, again, I go back to just because it's in recent memory, but the Fast and Furious. I was just going to mention are, that are so um, so clumsy in comparison. I was well, just going to say you can actually compare the good. two yeah. because there is a scene in Fast and Furious 10 which is also shot in Rome oh, yeah. and then there is a scene in this movie which is also shot in Rome. Watch those two scenes side by side if you get the chance and you will see how much more superior this Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 is. I mean at this point they're running out of places to have the climax and places to kind of film things but Somehow they're they're keeping at it. Well, they're I think here's the difference, right? Fast and Furious was a racing movie that's turned into something completely different. Yeah. Mission it's Impossible shark, was yeah. always about spies. Yeah. yeah. And one final shout out about the sound design. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guns are so metallic and and, and like to use the word satisfying in the word in, in association with gunfire is different but but you really f- like when yeah. when there's like guns flying around the place and they're shooting the bad guys it's like really like it it it, it it's a it's a physical sensation in a loud theater like that just like it hits home in the same way that the john wick movies kind of have this kind of um balletic choreographed um well uh put together action sequences this is that there's nothing here that happens by accident. Everything runs to a certain cadence. I'm sure they're kind of vibing with like our wavelength somehow to kind of n- manipulate yeah. this. But it, it, the sound design is just super. And we didn't even mention Hayley Atwell and we didn't even mention Rebecca Ferguson and Vanessa Kirby, who all, uh, Isai Morales, they're all really good. Everyone, Isai Morales is very good. Yeah. Everyone is so good in this movie. But, you know, I mean, there was, a, there was there's a scene early on in... John Wick 4 about him going out into the desert to find this slippery personality. In this one, he's going to the desert to find... They're all silly. They're all stupid. It's like, sure, what's the one place on earth where you where nobody can find you? It's in the middle of the desert, you know, <laughs> right. where wind is blowing across your face. And your face is covered. And your face and is covered in sand arrives. and a sandstorm arrives. But it's okay. It's par for the course. But there, again, you know, we, to, to, for the, at, the, at the risk of sounding repetitive. Three good movies. That, that's, that's what make like, we don't question that in a 70s, 80s action flick. We kind of bought into it. And yeah. then we got all cynical about these kind of things and they stopped working, right? We laugh at them. And here, 
what they have managed to do is get us to buy back into the, yeah. the big action hero, um, the impossible stunts. And that's that's quite something. Yeah. No, what a great podcast. I mean, talk to me, no hard feelings, Mission Impossible. Really good summer. Summer is here. Yeah. Go watch it. movies. Go watch fact, movies in the cinemas. In fact, just before we wrap up, I mean, I think this has been a terrific year for movies so far. I mean, we've seen some excellent excellent stuff so far and yeah. you know and we haven't even got, done the film festivals this year this is the halfway mark right yeah. in terms of you know the calendar so um yeah even is. asteroid city <laughs> don't remind don't me about that you tried to upset me but, but it's, it's 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 only going to get be- better in a couple of weeks with the simultaneous release of Oppenheimer and, and Barbie. Barbie. Let's let's put some bets. <laughs> what, what's your bet, Yasti? I think I think Barbie is going to make more money than Oppenheimer. You know, I mean, I could yes, be wrong. you and I. I I'm, not, I'm not okay. With, just to be clear, I'm not saying it should. Look at Joe's face. No, I'm, I, look, I, no, I'm, no, not saying, I'm, no, I'm actually no, with you on that. I no, think, I'm not saying it should. I'm just saying it will. Probably. I don't know that Oppenheimer has the same mass market appeal. I mean, it, as as. The franchise here is Christopher Nolan, right? right exactly. And yes. he has, you know, people like me who will who will watch, you know, a washing machine commercial that he directs. But, you know, there are um, the, the Barbie franchise. I think is so much, so much more um, universally appealing to people. You know, I've been reading a lot of interesting stuff about how long it took to get this Barbie mm-hmm. out into production. You know, it was supposed to be written by. Amy Schumer and, um, gosh, I've forgotten now, someone else. It was a really unlikely pairing and they couldn't make it happen. Right. And Anne Hathaway was supposed to be associated with it and pulled out. And, you know, I, I'm I'm actually getting a little bit excited. I'm trying to stop myself. And this whole thing about CGIing the feet. CGI. Because, you know, I'm, like I'm, Bobby's I'm, feet are always like on her toes. Oh, and on so, point. On point. So, um yeah, I hope they don't. I'll be fan. No, they didn't. They didn't. Well, Greta Gerwig actually said, "If I'm, if you think I'm spending my CG, my budget on CGIing feet, you've got another thing coming." Although the trailer does have Barbie taking off her shoes, right? And, that's the whole. Still, yeah, I think she's found a way around it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, at our last podcast, we said that, um, you know, that the demographic for the two movies are completely different. But I think we are learning from the internet. That that Venn diagram overlaps considerably. There are many more yeah. than. Have you seen all those? I've memes seen all the memes like let's people. go watch yeah. Oppenheimer and then Barbie, <laughs> then have a cigarette, and yeah, then, and then go you know, and then go have a you know, like a, a little, little mimosa, timetable, yeah, and then have a Barbie. Uh, so anyway, I mean, I honestly, I, I've I would have had zero interest in Barbie because I I don't trust yes, Hollywood. Please. I don't trust Hollywood taking these, you know, but you don't old love things. Bobby. No, I, I'm no, with Yasti on this. But, but it's only because of Greta Gerwig. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and, and her, you know, third movie that she's going to be directing that yes. I'm really excited. And be, let's be reminded, I mean, her, her resume as a director has been Lady Bird. Is it Lady Bird? And, Lady Bird. Um, uh, uh, Little Women. Little Women, yeah. And did she do anything else or is this her third She kind co-wrote of... with Noah Baumbach. She co-wrote Frances Ha. And Which she also loved. co-wrote Mistress America. I love that movie. So yes, much. Remember me too. That? Yeah, no, I, so I, I thought of her more of an actor until then. But you're right. She did have a hand in those, in those, those movies. movies. Yeah. So, yeah, she's accomplished here. I mean, again, I'm, I'm interested to see what Mattel will let her get away with because they, they're very fiercely protective of their franchise yeah there is apparently a barbie house in malibu that you can rent (laughs) i'm being serious you there's actually an airbnb which is called the barbie house 
So it's it's officially endorsed. Officially and endorsed apparently there is they are building one in <laughs> I think in New York maybe. Not that I'm obsessed with Barbie. Or no, not that you dragged me to the Barbie Museum in Toronto. <laughs> I know. It made me cry. I cried when I went in there. I was so emotional. It, it was quite quite the thing. Yeah. <laughs> I love Barbie. You know, I love Barbie. Yeah. We shall see. We should see how. If we had an extra room, talking. I would have a Barbie room. Well, you can still have it. No, I would have like, I would buy ha- all of the dolls. Have a Barbie corner. <laughs> no, but it doesn't. we don't have an extra room, so you're not. <laughs> or having. an extra corner, yeah. <laughs> Let's see how we will Let's be talking see how in we a couple feel. of weeks. Yeah, I'm worried. That's right. Our next podcast will probably include reviews Oppenheimer. of Barbie. Barbenheimer. Barbie. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Enough banter. Thank you for listening to all hour and 11 of our nonsense talk here. So um, thank you for, for hanging with us. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Let us know what you think of this movie. Uh, all of these. Uh, we've seen yes, he's a, running like... In a good mood. Yeah, that's right. Yes, Tom Cruise. Like still doing the Tom Cruise run. <laughs> when that music comes on... Dun, 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 it is so dun. thrilling. <laughs> I know. I feel giddy. Me too. I feel giddy now that we've even spoken about it. It is super fun. Maybe that's the sugar. Yeah, I think maybe it is. I think it's enough podcasting. Okay. All right. Until our next podcast, it's too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me. And me. And me as well. Ding, 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 ding.